welcome to this episode of Turkish TV Time. Today we're going to be talking about Innocent Episode 7, our penultimate episode of this mini-series, and a lot of stuff, a lot of very dramatic conversations happened, and we got another murder answer, so I'm excited to talk about it. I don't have tea, but I do have strawberry ice cream, and it's really delicious. I have a peach lemonade because we're recording this at not uh, my bedtime. So I actually have a beverage and I'm not in my bed. (laughs) Peach lemonade. That sounds really good. How do you make that? I didn't make it. I bought it. (laughs) I I can't. I mean, unless we're going to get advertising anchor dollars from this, I cannot say Mm -hmm. what the brand is, but it's very good. (laughs) Hit us up, peach lemonade producers that are Caribbean themed and also from Milwaukee. Yes, yes, I should narrow it down for our <laughs> manufacturers who are listening. <laughs> what are you drinking, Sophia? Just sparkling water. Very sophisticated. <laughs> I hate I sparkling water. Why? It's so good. I just can't stand it. It's so bitter. I think it's like Americans hate sparkling water. And then in Europe, you have to like, and other parts of the world, you have to specify yeah. that you don't want sparkling water. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I have very uncultured water tastes. Ugh. But New York okay. is like a sparkling water everywhere, Sammy. I I'm know. Confused. It's a nightmare for me. <laughs> it's the water capital of the world. <laughs> no, but Sammy, if it's bitter, I think you've had like bad sparkling water because it's not generally bitter. It's always bitter. <laughs> no. I especially like to drink it when I work out. I feel like you feel so much more refreshed. It's weird. Wow. No. Hard disagree. But I can picture you like sipping your Perrier in the rain. <laughs> <laughs> well, not Perrier, not Perrier. Because it's technically, so like here there's a difference between like what, well, I guess it's the same thing. It's like Perrier and then there's like, just some soda with like carbonated water it's not like the fancy kind i don't know <laughs> it's the off-brand eh, i guess it's not expensive though <laughs> it's not fancy <laughs> okay your plebeian sparkling water that you were sipping outside in the rain yesterday <laughs> i was not i did not drink it yesterday I, yesterday i had my water bottle okay um all right well now that we've got that figured out we're gonna you guys are gonna get through the rest of this episode after this much animosity (laughs) (laughs) Uh, if only we were in person i could throw sparkling water in sophia's face but unfortunately (laughs) oh my god did this turn into like the real housewives or something (laughs) yeah that's what our next show um, you've even you've even got that white cat isn't that like meme where the cat is like hissing at the lady isn't that from real housewives or is that from something else you guys know yeah that is from real housewives but i don't know if the cat was actually there oh. but i know <laughs> that the woman is a real housewife well you have everything right now that you need to recreate that meme including that cat so and a house <laughs> <laughs> i just have to get the cat to sit at the table and like smell a plate yes <laughs> Well, do you enjoy this next episode for behind the scenes of how we created i'm sure we're gonna tweet that i'm sure it's gonna happen <laughs> we're so good about our twitter <laughs> check out our twitter guys we have a twitter check it out it's gonna get better <laughs> um okay so now sophia is going to take us through what happened in this episode 
Okay, so this episode starts with something that was really confusing to me, which is like, it seems like a group of like tourists in in um, Turkey, like celebrating a birthday. I guess you can tell they're tourists because they sing happy birthday in English, or maybe I was crazy and heard that, but that's what I thought. But then we just get to the intro and I was very confused until the end of the episode as to why they had that. Um, so then we go to Jevdit. Jevdit is like desperately looking for Tadik, who disappeared, but as we know, went in the trunk of Salahatin's car. Um, and so Salahatin gets to Istanbul. Like apparently he lives in a super hilly part and his car's like emergency brake is very good because it's literally like in a 90 degree angle and it doesn't slide down the hill. Um, I'm quite worried about that car, to be honest. And so Tariq gets off the car and he just walks away. I thought he was going to do something to Salahatin, but apparently he just wants to do whatever. So Jevdet gets home and he's like really frazzled about uh, Tariq, like not being anywhere, like no being nowhere to be found. And Nenmin is just like making food, being like, he's going to be back and he's going to be really hungry. So like, stop stressing. Nothing's going to happen. And Jevdet's like, oh, if it were your other son, you would be like, turning around the whole earth to find him um but obviously it's not her favorite son so he's not and then we go to Taned who's still stalking this woman who I got a, a better look at her as Guy and I do agree with you that she is the the psychologist mm-hmm. yeah well and obviously based on what happens at the end of the episode it has to be yeah <laughs> <laughs> before before getting into that um it does seem like it's her so he's just like Apparently, how we can now tell the time difference is that Taned has like a really big beard nowadays and he used to not have a beard. So apparently now we can know what's a flashback based on that. Um, so then in the past, Taned is in the apartment with ML who's waking up like from her being out of it. Like, I don't even know what to call it. She like passed out or from like the like the intense shaking that um <laughs> last episode which is it's weird because it seems like she talks about getting hit in the head like she keeps like grabbing her head so i guess that she was hit in the head um so she's like obviously super stressed out she's like what happened like where's Tadik? he killed um selim like where is he and Uh, he just ran away and like I'm not sure if I believe that he was in your parents house and like there's a cigarette and you've been here for a while and she's just like very confused because he's like no I was just trying to like wake you up but like I think she well I don't know what she's thinking but basically they moved her because they thought she was dead so they had to dispose of the body but this guy's trying to be like no 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 I, I didn't move you I like just walked in the apartment and like tried to wake you up and I don't even know what happened um And she's talking about like the tape recorder and um, she has this whole story in her head about how uh, Tadik brought Selim into their apartment in order to like kill him or talk to him or hurt him. Like she clearly has built up this whole thing in her head. Um, and she thinks that uh, Tadik like lied to her face when he said that he had no idea who this guy was and um, had no idea where the tape recorder was. And So Taned like could have fixed everything and he could have said that he went to water the plants, but he didn't even like mention that he was there. So that just makes her all the more suspicious because 
Tadek is saying that his brother was there and that he's the one who left the recorder there, but he's clearly not being very straightforward about that. And she's like basically berating him, like berating him about everything, like about how he beats up his wife um, and how like their whole family is shitty and like like for for a big part of like this scene is cut up into different parts of the episode but for a big part of the scene she's the only one talking and at least for this first part where she's just like trying to understand what happened and he's trying telling her like just calm down like wait and see like let's figure this out like whatever as as sammy well sammy um, mentioned that there's a lot of gaslighting and he is definitely gaslighting her trying to make her believe that what she thinks happened didn't happen but at the same time like part of what she's saying is is true but part of what she's saying is like a bit far-fetched and she's definitely like taking it upon herself or like she's just so I don't know if it's like overwhelmed by Tadek's behavior or the fact that he like basically like shook her intensely like very recently but she has this whole story in her head about how like what what happened and and how he tried to kill her and how he killed Selim as well and like she's extremely frazzled she just like keeps grabbing her hair like moving her blouse which is like really like pulled down and she's just like really desperate and at the same time she tells him like you smell like alcohol you've been drinking like a fish and he goes to like get her water and like try to get her to calm down and then we see Tariq who's at his parents house and he's explaining like he he's sure that he killed his wife um and just that his brother's taking care of it all and his dad's like you guys are idiots like how could you do this like you guys are so dumb you like screw everything up and Tariq is just like obviously losing it and he tells him that like his dad told him on his wedding night to never go to sleep angry and like always fix like all the arguments before. I have a lot of questions about this given Jeb Dad's relationship with his wife. So many questions. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. And so Tariq is just like really sad. He's like, I killed the w- the woman I love, like all this, all these things. So then, well, it's the same conversation with uh, Emel and Taner. And Taner like finally opens up and like tells her that, he's not the one beating up Ruya, that she has some sort of lover that she's had all throughout, which cheers to Ezgi for getting that since day one. Congratulations, Ezgi. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and Taned like has been like follows her and like when he was following her in one of the previous episodes, he was just like watching her come out of her lover's house. And um, when he was knocking very intensely at the door, that was the lover's house as well. And this is a guy that she's been dating before they even got married. And um, like, it seems like Taned, like, kind of like, she told him, like, don't marry me, like, I'm gonna ruin your life. And like, he he kind of, I guess, agrees with it. He's like, I, I, like, she has love and like, everything seems fine. And like, she breaks up with him. And then she gets back together with him all of a sudden. And um, yeah, like, he's the one who's beating her up. It's not me. And, like, they explain some scenes from previous episodes, which we hadn't seen, um, which are, for example, like, well, I'm, I'm skipping a bit ahead, but, like, that scene where he pretends to throw the keys in the forest, it's because, like, uh, this guy called her and he knows that he's calling her or, like, 
Tanner knows that this lover guy is calling her, so he gets really upset, and that's why he just like drives away and like does the whole thing. Um, and like it, I guess it's kind of sad because it seems like they have a nice relationship, but clearly like she's like not willing to cut off her other relationship with the other dude. Um, and then there's a scene with Nedman and Tadic where she's like, "You sucked the life out of me." Like. I have to take pills because of you and like how sick you are and like you need to like figure out how to like get your act together because like you're ruining our lives basically. <laughs> um, just like more kind of shitty stuff for for Tadic. I don't know like seems like a longish scene but I don't remember more than her like being like son like you need to like get yourself together and like you're basically driving the whole family crazy and everything's your fault. Um, I think that's the and, gist of it, yeah. <laughs> and the conversation with Taner and Emma continues. And like now, well, as I mentioned, like we, we, we get to see how like everything like about her lover who beats her and how Taner is like still there and he wanted children and all these things that he couldn't have. And like, Basically, like, Emel kind of gets to understand him a little bit more, but she's still really obsessed with the fact that she thinks that um, Tariq killed um, Selim and that he was going to kill her. And, like, basically, he wanted to kill her as well. Um, and he's like, no, you know, my brother's sick, like, my mother and father. Like, I know we're not the most open about his condition. And, you know, like, it's having responsibility always triggers him. And if he does things by himself, he's fine. But, like, that's kind of also really, like, burdensome for Emel because she feels like he's kind of blaming her for for her brother's, for his brother's um, psychotic um, episodes. And which, I don't know, from, from the scene, like, watching it, I didn't get that reading. But I, I guess, like, from the positions she's in, it makes sense because, like, that's, everything that everyone's been telling her and like they haven't been like validating her feelings and her experience so it's I guess it's normal that she feels attacked when he's just trying to like explain why his brother does the things he does um and he says like yeah that's why he got discharged from the army early and you know it's just like he can't handle like having responsibility put on him like when I give him a job he acts out and like all these things which just makes me wonder, like, how does he make a living? Yeah, I had the same question. Because, um, like... Yeah, and, like, do they have a some sort of family business? Because, like, I don't know. We could talk about it later, but that was weird. <laughs> so, basically, she's, like, saying that she, like, she wants to go to the police. She wants to, like, tell on Tadek. But Taned, like, knows that like that can't happen basically so he takes out this like scarf that was the one that um Ruya was wearing around her neck to cover I think Nedman gave it to her to cover up the bruises that she had on her neck and he like accidentally takes it out of the pocket and she's like why do you have that so I'm assuming that also is meant to indicate that that's the same day that he he left his wife in the forest except that also wouldn't make sense because that same day he saw Selim and Ruya and and Selim and Ruya haven't been together for a few days so the, yeah the timeline doesn't he just has it in his pocket I guess which is I mean he's a weird guy <laughs> and so he basically kills her um with the with the scarf 
And then it fades to black. So we don't know what happened in that storyline. But now we know that Taner is the double murderer kind of by chance with one of the murderers and with intention of protecting his brother for the other one. And then we see him in the future. He's still um, going after the psychologist. And then we see youth in the forest. He's just like walking around and all of a sudden he hears like these bullet, I mean, th these shots, like somebody's shooting in the forest. And he's like, no, stop, please don't shoot at me. And like, it seems like the bullets are like whizzing by him. So it was like a close call. Um, but this father and son hunting team find him. Well, and he's also like thinking about his life, takes out the photos of like Elif and, and Feride from his wallet. And he's like, oh, like reminiscing. He doesn't say anything, but he's looking at these pictures. And um, then he he's like yelling at these people to stop shooting and they meet up with him and their father and son. And they're going to take him into town and loan him their phone number, their phones. Um, and then he kind of like puts two and two together and realizes that that recorder, um, that Tarek had drawn that recorder previously. Because in the tape, Taner says, my brother doesn't know anything about this recorder. So like just, you know, kind of ignore it. Like don't tell him about anything. Like my brother doesn't know anything. But then we find out that the brother is kind of obsessed with it because then he drew the tape recorder and the tape recorder he drew was exactly the same one, I'm guessing, than the one that um, Taned gave Yusuf. So he like gets home and like everyone's happy because he was missing for a few days. But he's just like crazy trying to find like the Pictionary-esque game that they were playing where uh, Tadek drew the tape recorder I'm guessing because he wants to compare to see if it's the same one because it's clearly kind of a lead. And so he finds it and he asks Elif like who drew this and she's like, oh, it was Tarek in the cabin. And so then we see Tarek in the, in the current time. He like, I don't know if he has the keys or he breaks into his apartment that he lived in with, with Emel, but he's in that apartment and he has like sort of a, hallucination I guess of his army commander being like yes like I don't even remember what he says but like good job son or something or like you have to do this like giving him a task and then we flash back to the same scene from the beginning where there's this birthday turns out that one of the people holding the cake is Selim so he's not dead it seems because that's the present it seems and um then Taner well he kept following the sister everywhere and he actually follows her and she goes to the boat where her brother is. So he like realize, I guess he realizes that the brother is alive. I don't know if he gets to see him, but he'll probably, he's probably very close to finding out that the brother is alive. And that's the end. Yeah. So I guess a lot of stuff did happen this episode. <laughs> a lot, a lot of stuff. Now, without further ado, we'll move on into our favorite section, our gossip slash spilling the tea section. And yeah, the yacht party was a really bizarre way to do the pre-credits this episode. Yeah, I was going to I was going to leave that for my what the fuck, because I don't think they built up the suspense enough for us to realize why that scene was important. 
I kind of liked it actually. I liked how random it was, and then that they that so much stuff happened in between that you forgot about it, and then as soon as they went back, you were like, "Oh, this is the weird shit start," and then, "Oh, well, this was actually really important." I don't know. I I kind of like it when they do stuff like that because I was like shows in general because I I had forgotten about it completely after briefly being like WTF at the (laughs) beginning. So I thought I I personally thought it was well done, Um, and I really am not happy to see Satan. alive you were so disappointed that he wasn't murdered i know so uh, yeah because like it was perfect because he like died by running into a wall (laughs) oh my god guys we're gonna have to take back our sultan of success for the quarter of the wall yeah 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 seriously you have to rescind that sultan of success wall you were not what we thought you were (laughs) this guy for sure is the sultan of success after he dug himself out of the ground yeah Right now, he's definitely a contender <laughs> for this episode. I wonder why he hasn't, like, come forward to the police yet, like, with his story. I don't know. Maybe he had a deal with Taner, but then what's... I mean, Taner has his, has his creepy tape, so, like, maybe he was afraid of the stalking thing also. I don't know. I mean, that's definitely, like, less than... Unfortunately, I think that would be considered less serious than murder, but... <laughs> Um, I my my first bullet point in my notes from this episode is when did Madman get back from Ankara? <laughs> like, how did that happen? This episode, like, I, right? Because it felt like it felt like Jade Death at the beginning in the woods was him, like right after Tadik took off. That was my impression of the timeline. And then he gets back, and Madman's like all the way settled back into like her domestic role, making whatever she was making. So obviously it wasn't the same day. So Jacob's just like going out into the woods thinking that he's going to find his son, IDK. That's also dumb. Um, but then like, I don't know, he asked her a lot whether, like where she was. And she kept saying, I was with my sister and Ankara. It's like, maybe that's a thing where like she wasn't there. She's up to something else. I don't know. Well, because remember she hit Yusuf in the head. Oh, yeah. She was with Tanev somewhere. So you don't think you don't think she like went out of town after that? You think she was just like staying away? Maybe she was with him somewhere, like in some yeah. hideout or something. Yeah. We also learned that from that super nasty conversation between her and Tarek that she takes pills, some sort of pills for her mental state also. So mm-hmm. maybe her sister in Ankara is actually like an inpatient medical facility or something. <laughs> we can only hope i like i like how she uh, accused her husband of like making like giving Tadic the genes to make him yeah Ill. like I don't know if we're gonna have a genetic argument here it seems like maybe it's you <laughs> um i thought it was really funny when jeb Dett was like what are you doing like you should be lurking for Tarek." And she was making phyllo dough by hand, which is like literally the most time-consuming thing you could ever decide yeah. to do in your home kitchen. Like that's just aggressive time wasting on her part. Yes. Wait, how did she know she was making phyllo? Because she was like stretching it out super thin, and then she was putting it like layered yeah. in a big uh, steamer thing. Yeah. Oh, I thought maybe it was Gozleme. Because I saw a video of someone making Gozleme and it was the same thingy with the little roller thingies. No, I think she was just making the dough, the, the phyllo. That's what that's what I wrote is like as, as, as what she was doing. Also, Gozleme, more and more I think about it, more it's like 
I mean, everyone everyone likes it. It's like a universally liked thing, but it's like a very touristy thing too. So I don't think like she'd randomly be just like making it my yeah. <laughs> um I also want to say that Emad has zero self-preservation. Oh instinct. my god. Like, like no one has ever cared less whether they will live or die. Unbelievable. <laughs> this girl. What is she doing? And just leave the apartment, call the police yourself from a safe place. Why are you trying to go on a car ride? with the brother of your husband who you're really scared of like do you think he's gonna be less oh scary oh my god well we should start from the beginning for, with the that whole yes. thing because it it they yes. cut in and out of it but I feel like it goes the whole episode pretty much yeah so she wakes up she freaks out she really quickly realizes that she isn't where she passed out which like how that she has very good spatial awareness, I guess, when she's getting tossed around a room. I don't know. Um, and she accuses Toner of something bad, just doing something, doing bad things, being suspicious, I guess. And then that's when the gaslighting starts, which for those of you who don't know is a term based on a movie, but now it's like a real psychological term for when people manipulate other people by convincing them that what they believe is real isn't. And it happens all the time, e.g. Trump, when he would deny stuff that was on tape or say things that were demonstrably not true. Um, But in this case, it's Taner saying, no, no, you were like that when I got here. I just came in. You're an idiot. Yeah, you're not in your right right mind. It's you. Yeah. What what movie is it from, Sammy? It's called I didn't know that. like Gaslighting. I think I've never seen it, but oh. it's literally called. It's like the whole thing, like and a, the, like the a husband how, convinces like a how his wife guide. she's crazy or something, and that's the origin of the term. Oh my god, that's exactly oh. what's going on here. It's that's called so Gaslight. Nineteen forty-four. It's an old movie. Oh wow, so old. Yeah, I thought it was like a random eighties movie. <laughs> like, what was the name of that movie? That this guy was obsessed with uh what it, it was with patrick swayze ghost dirty dancing no 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 the one where he's like he's like killing everyone or like it's an action movie let me look at it roundhouse isn't it roundhouse isn't it or something <laughs> or is it roadhouse or something that's what it is Yeah, I was imagining a really bad 80s movie. No, no. I mean, who knows? This old movie could be really bad too, but that's the... It's Roadhouse, yes. That's the <laughs> name of the movie. But yeah, ML, like, I'm sorry. I, I feel bad for her. She's in a terrible situation, but what a fucking moron she is. Yeah. Well, she could have just been like super chill, pretended not to remember anything, and then she could have left yes, unscathed. Or just like, if she really wanted to freak out, just freak out and run, <laughs> you know? Don't like freak out at him in the apartment where he was clearly just dragging you to go and bury you. Yeah, it would have been better if she just continued to play dead. That way she would have survived because then she could have unbury herself. I guess. <laughs> we'll talk about that more in the history section. <laughs> but then they have a really nice conversation that's like really open and honest yeah. and emotionally mature. Yeah, that was odd. That was kind of yeah, unexpected. Yeah, like in between freakouts. I mean, is this a good time to, to do a segue into the Ria stuff since that was sure. during this conversation? Congratulations to Ezgi for sniffing that out in like the very first episode. I don't know how you did that. 
I was just, I don't know. He just didn't have wife beater vibes. But I will say, Emad believed his story very easily. It's true. Like, if you just, like, like, take what he said, like, because we had the benefit of the flashback and stuff to convince us that it was real. But, like, obviously, she's just hearing a man who's sketchy, who she views as sketchy, is, like, randomly, all the stuff that happened that we already talked about, in those circumstances, he's telling her that his wife is having an abusive extramarital affair that he's okay with and he can't stop. And that's why she has bruises. Like, I would be like, mm, you're lying. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was, I was just amazed at how she just ate it up. Like, even though it is true, I mean, it seems to be true because we have the flashback and whatnot. Um, I just thought that was wild that she was like, oh my gosh, I believe you and I didn't know that. <laughs> What did you guys, I mean, isn't that nuts though? Like, why is she, what, what? what's going on there? <laughs> yeah, especially since she's been so skeptical of, of everything and she yeah. like didn't believe a single thing that Tadek said when everything he was saying was true. Yeah. Like how, yeah. how would he have known who Selim was or like, like he's not a creep like Selim. Like yeah. he would have no way of knowing that all of this was going on. And he was like going through his own issues. He wasn't even seeing things clearly because he was like, having psychotic episodes constantly so yeah I don't understand how she would expect him to know I think she's just like really upset and she's instead of it she's obviously not thinking rationally but like yeah I she could have not died like she could have survived if she hadn't like been so aggressive with Taned and like not threatened her brother his brother she just had to get herself out of that out of that apartment, and I don't know why she lingered so much. I mean, both with both Tadik and Tanet. Actually, like after going through what you did with Tadik and believing he attempted to kill you, like okay, I'm awake now. I didn't die. Clearly, screaming at him was not mm-hmm. the move. Let me just like leave in this in attempt number yeah. two here. Nope, she goes screaming yeah. again. <laughs> it's it's crazy. But what I was asking about Rial, like what you guys think is going on, there's more like her, like what, like. I, I can't get it's my head so around like I understand this I understand that like being abused like you know you always hear these you always hear these ignorant statements like oh why doesn't the, the woman just leave like the abusive man all this stuff and of course that's like not you know there's a whole there's a level of trauma where that's not as easy easily done as it's said but in her case it's so extreme like she is married to a man who would like rip this man to shreds this this abusive man um and yet she like I don't know like it's like I'll be I'll like leave you if you hurt him or if you confront him I just don't get it 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 seemed maybe there are cases like that in real life but it just seemed so so wild to me yeah it seems really wild to me I think I actually misremembered it because I I thought that I guess subconsciously I thought that it would have been more interesting that it was just like a consensual like fetish situation Mm. where she like was into like sadism or masochism or whatever um and that they had agreed beforehand that she could go to this man for that but it makes a lot less sense to me as a he's my mistress for lack of a better word um who occasionally punches me in the face and like i think he's my impression is that he's much older than she is and she's been in a relationship with him since she was like very young and he was obviously yeah that's what i was gonna say like 
if if it's something that's from her teen years or something like that and like he's probably like her first sexual partner or something and like someone that's like almost like a family member um I could I guess I could see it and like it being on and off and like she clearly tries to get away from it but the guy probably like gaslights her and like has he probably has something on her or like he just really cares about him or I don't know and like since it's been since she was young and it like it maybe it's formed her vision of like what a romantic relationship should be um that's maybe why she can't leave but that still of, makes me confused about why sorry yes keep going i was gonna say a lot of therapy yeah. is needed for a lot not of with Selim's sister. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah not with her no i was just gonna say that what confuses me is is that she would abe get married yeah. like i don't know if yeah. maybe it was like the pressure of like oh you can't stay single or also that this guy like allowed her to get married you know like maybe it was easier for him because then she wouldn't have all the time to be with him and she would be more like distracted by something I don't know but it's so confusing like if this guy beats her up and it's probably extremely possessive like how he would like allow her to get married it's also like Taner shouldn't have agreed to marry her if his whole shtick was like, oh, I'm going to marry her, but then I'm going to save her from this relationship. Cause like, he's clearly miserable with things, how they are, even though he agreed to be in that situation. And maybe that's why he keeps fucking murdering people on accident and not on accident. <laughs> um, and then, yeah. What about the Taner? Like, oh, I got him a job at the company but he couldn't hit. Mm-hmm. Do they have like a family business? They keep the word they use in Turkish is similarly like vague, like office or comp. Yeah, I don't know. And I made a note like, did Emad not realize that he doesn't really have a job and or like a very vaguely defined job? Like, I feel like you would, I don't know. Like, at least I would talk to, to my romantic. That's like one of the about, first like, things you talk about. So, yeah. 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 So well it'll weird. also like is she the one paying for the apartment they have and like it, the food and everything or like is he giving money through his family like it doesn't exactly I was seem wondering like they're swimming that. in money either yeah but it's a nice apartment oh it's yeah really that's what i'm saying like the apartment's really nice but it doesn't look like his parents are rich so it's weird that it doesn't yeah. seem like they could be supporting him financially true yeah yeah that, that's my biggest question because but wasn't one of the brothers a police officer or it's just the dad who's a police officer? I think just the dad. Mm-hmm. I thought Taned maybe was a policeman too. That would be really bad. <laughs> no, I don't think he is. I feel like the, he would have come up more in like the police scene. I think he's like a <laughs> sad like middle manager businessman who like feels... In this made up company. Yeah, in this made up company. Yeah, <laughs> He's the assistant to the regional yeah. manager. At the paper company. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess they haven't really done a good job of letting us know what, what they do. Like, we know Emel works at some sort of company. I think that it was a marketing company. Yeah, I don't know. But they just have a nice office with a Bosphorus view. Yeah. yeah. Where IT sits next to, like, everyone else. <laughs> Outrageous. <There's candy. laughs> Yeah. Well, so like I'm sure that the IT people would hate it because they would just have people nagging yeah. them all the time. For sure. Like 
I don't know if you guys ever watched the IT crowd. It's like one of my favorite TV shows. <laughs> but like, um, they always call and they are like, people aren't very good with their computers. So they always have to like, like sometimes one time it's like the person didn't plug in the computer to the wall and like all these like dumb things. When ML is, yeah, when ML is, ML is, they have their nice conversation and then she tells him everything about Selim and she's like, he's a novelist. And then she says she wants them to go to the police station to report him. Why would she tell Taner? Why would she want Taner to come with her? <laughs> what is this girl doing? Wild. Yeah, no, no, no answer. I felt like Taner, Taner, uh, spoiler alert, strangling her came really out of nowhere for me. Yeah, it was, uh, I didn't get enough of like him being triggered by what she was saying for like to, c- to connect the dots. Like I figured because the scarf was not prominently in view that it would be used as a weapon, but I don't know. There wasn't enough build up. It was for like, me oh, either. would you like this scarf? Yeah. You look cold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think it was, I think he was triggered by how she was threatening his brother. Yeah. Yeah. No, I understand well, that. I just wanted like more more yeah. I don't know it just seemed like oh I, I completely agree with that yeah that it was kind of out of the blue and like he didn't seem even angry well he was angry at one point when she like pushed him and he pushed yeah her but back. he didn't seem angry by the end of their conversation at all mm. and also like do you think it was to protect Tarek or I thought it was more because he was worried about her discovering Salim's murder yeah I think that's what he he's he's like he was worried for himself both I think like he was just worried about her her like he was worried that she was actively looking for him which means like something is going to get dragged up from you know the depths if someone is looking for like you can't I don't know if someone disappears and and there's at least one person looking for them like (laughs) it's going to get start start to get messy uh, until you you know get rid of those people that are looking for the missing person so to speak so that's what he did um I, I think he just knew that it would eventually either way like both both outcomes would have been bad for him in his mind either like her settling on Tariq or uh or him getting found out because anyway with the Tariq thread it would have come back to him anyway because he would Tariq would clearly have been confused and clueless (laughs) well and now we know that he didn't need to kill ml because he didn't actually kill salim right so that's unfortunate well yeah and not only that but his his poor brother still believes that he killed her like tadik is convinced that he was the one that killed her oh but that's not the truth yeah yeah but i wanted to talk about that also because when he's at his parents house he does not seem upset at all that he just murdered his wife. Like, I think he refers to it once, but other than that, he well, seems completely Nat, fine. Nat, I mean, like, has her, has her whole own diatribe. I think that kind of, like, distracts <laughs> I don't know. I expected him to be more broken up about it. He alluded to attempting suicide. Yeah. But I think that was, that was unrelated, right? That was just... Was that, oh, though? I don't know. I assumed that was, like, yeah. No, but I, th- I think he wanted to kill himself because he thought he killed the woman oh, that he loved. Oh, I just thought that was like, 
when he got his diagnosis or whatever but that makes more sense i think i have a theory that the three people who todic sees in hallucinations so his commanding officer his mom and emad are like his three like triggering people like the three people who caused him stress throughout his life (laughs) (laughs) that that brought on his symptoms (laughs) definitely possible yeah we still have no update Mm -hmm. on narman and the rifle hallucination yeah that has to i mean they can't if they leave that that'll be sloppy i think the rifle has to come back somehow maybe maybe directed at yusuf i don't know because we need to bring the yusuf thread back with our favorite family too like because he's been not in the same scenes as them yeah so okay so he was like he was having a big detective revelation thing happening over the drawing of the tape recorder why i don't get it i think what so i so i didn't know either but sophia you were kind of alluding to it in your synopsis well i think it's he's realizing that the tape recorder is like a key element in the case i guess and you were saying that uh you didn't think that well in, in on the recording in the tape recorder there's two tape recorders the tape recorder that was left with um yusuf in the woods mm-hmm. Tanaj said that my brother doesn't know anything about this stuff so leave him alone mm-hmm. but then we we see that Tariq does know something yeah. about something because he drew the tape recorder, a different, the, the tape recorder. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think it's kind of a red herring yeah. in a way because he's probably thinking that now he can like link up the whole family. But the truth is like Tariq knows that the tape recorder is a thing, but he doesn't know why. Yeah. He doesn't know why it was a trigger for Emel. He doesn't know who it belonged to. He doesn't know like what's in the tape. So, like, I think it's a red herring. I that's what that would be my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And I would have to like confess for him to connect those dots. Yeah, that's. I guess that's why I didn't understand it. it. Was just like Yusuf thinks he's found something important, but actually he's wrong. So how are <laughs> Yusuf's just gonna be dumb again? I guess in the next episode. Yeah, he's just gonna confront them really loudly and sloppily, yeah. and then. Somebody will record him on a phone camera. Yes. (laughs) Or that. I was half convinced that the hunters were going to be evil. Yeah. It's like, it's just just Naaman with the rifle. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was weird. Weird scene. Like. It was like too long. They had too much interaction that yeah. we had to watch. Yeah. I, I don't understand. <laughs> like he runs into hikers in the woods, fine, but like they had to shoot at him and then they had to like bond over having children and then... having children. Yeah. Yeah. Too much. Yeah. Also, he's he looked substantially dirtier when he got home versus when he was walking with the hunters. <laughs> it was like dirtiness so funny. in the woods. <laughs> what is, what maybe happens? they made him ride in the back of the truck with their kills maybe. or something tugging some wild boars <laughs> what okay so going I think the next scene after that was the Satan revelation so like where do we think he is do we think he's in the same like vicinity that every event in this show seems to happen in which is like this one random resort town <laughs> Or do we think he's far, far away? Um, and what is his sister like doing? 
Like, does he, does she know that he's back from the dead and like, like what's going on? I, I think probably the sister has known all along because if not, she would have contacted the police at some point. Mm. Yeah, and I think that they are far away because remember he was on that like long, long haul bus following her. Yeah. So you think she's like bringing him candy? Candy. Probably. That's right. (laughs) So maybe the candy opening him, him opening the drawer and seeing the candy was supposed to be like, he might be alive. Remember that one time I opened the drawer? Maybe. I don't know. I still don't get. It. I don't see it. Like I don't like. I don't it's not gonna go bad. Like it could have just been there from when he was alive a few months before. Exactly. But I don't know. We made it seem like a thing with the music as we discussed. So <laughs> trying to trying to back justify their choice in music. <laughs> well, we also still haven't found out why, like whether that scene was in the past or in the present. I think it's my well. I remember his beard length, but I I I would hypothesize that it's while he was like tracking the sister in the present, like before he got on the bus. Because my thoughts would be that it was after he killed him, because he's trying to figure out who this guy is and like if anybody's gonna ask about him or like. Could be yeah. Could be that too. Yeah, I can't remember what time period it was in, but I thought at the time that it was right after he murdered him. But they skip around so much. Who knows? Also, I don't think we could have like imagined anything from that going on in the present. Other, yeah, because it's because like it seemed like oh, we saw his dead body in right. the woods, so he's been buried. Right, right. But he like follow up on that months later. Um, but I, like I said, I don't remember his beard length. That would probably tell us what time it is. I'm so mad he's alive though. Like who? Like that was the one good thing that had happened so far. <laughs> one positive. <laughs> yeah, I was hoping maybe Emel would also be alive by the same. Yeah, we don't know yet. We'll see. <laughs> but no. Yeah, she would be better than Salim. Maybe she's on the yacht too. Maybe she's like the pastry chef or something. Maybe. The, also, the thing about it, like. It, ML is that nobody's gonna ask about her because right. she has no family. Her husband knows that she's dead. Um, but everyone else, like this, well, like if if anyone else went missing, it would be a thing, including Salim, who has a sister that right, he lives right. with. True. All right, so. Now we're going to move on into the history section where we are going to discuss coming back from the dead, resurrecting, being buried alive, all of these fun things that seem to be happening in our show to Salim and Amel particularly. Yes. So first, (laughs) the most literal, I guess, is uh, being buried alive. So this was a big fear uh, back of the day. Apparently it was quite common in the Victorian era and also during the yellow fever epidemic. Um, So I first heard about this in New Orleans where they would bury people with a bell because they were worried that they were burying people alive. And if you rang the bell, they'd come and get you out of your coffin, uh, which is what some people theorize is the origin of the phrase saved by the bell. 
which seems appropriate. Mm -hmm. Apparently, the Mount Edgecombe family in Victorian era England, he the Earl married Countess Emma. Uh, Emma was pronounced dead. She was buried with a very valuable ring. And then a sexton who had spied on the burial, noticed the ring, returned that night to unbury her and steal the ring. And she woke up. And then she walked back to her house. Half mile. And then she lived. Did the, did the sexton die of fear? Yeah, I would hope so. He ran away never to be seen again, the story goes, but who knows? He was probably yeah. murdered by Tamer. I mean, he says he's kind of a lifesaver. He's, he's a terrible person. That's but true. Kind of did her good. Um, yeah, so it was a big fear. A lot of people would build safety coffins, which were just incredibly barbaric, <laughs> on high tech devices back in the day to uh, keep you alive were you to be buried alive until you could be rescued. But most of them forgot about the need for oxygen. They had like nice pillows and some food and stuff, but not any way to get air. So that was a problem. Um, but yeah, there's not many, there's not any, I should say, verified accounts of people being buried alive and coming out, but it was a huge fear. When you, Sammy, when you said uh, barbaric and safety coffin in the same sense, I thought maybe it was like a spike in the lid that just like <laughs> drove through the to make sure they were dead and they were Well, that's like, a whole different thing. And that also happened. Um, they call those deviant burials. And um, as we saw in Poland with that skeleton that they thought mm -hmm. was a vampire, it happened all over Europe. Yeah. Um, they would bury people yep. who were staked or um, burned or all of all sorts of ways to keep them from resurrecting. In pop culture, our guy, <laughs> Jesus Christ, he resurrected. Pop culture. <laughs> <laughs> um, he came back from the dead uh, in uh, the legend, of the, you know, the story. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> also uh, the famous Monty Python skit where the uh, bubonic plague victim is being carted away and says, I'm not dead yet. Feeling much better. Those are my contributions. Wow. Well, that's great. Um, I will say that in my limited contribution to this segment will be uh, the origin of zombie lore, which actually it comes from, so the word comes from Haitian French and it's, and I had to, I, I verified this. I don't want to just throw out the word voodoo because I know people use that as a blanket term for all kinds of uh, West Indies stuff. But uh, it actually is linked to voodoo in, in Haitian folklore. Um, the, the, the way the origin was basically the, a lot of the slave owners or the slave, uh, not even the owners, but the, the, what do you call it? The overseers, the people, you know, in the sugarcane fields overseeing the labor of the slaves um, who were themselves also enslaved um, to keep the slaves obedient would say, would, I don't know, reference West African and local um, legend and say, hey, if you uh, don't obey me now, XYZ person, XYZ priest is gonna put a spell on you where you're gonna be my slave in the afterlife too. So by being a zombie, by being resurrected, ah. I'm gonna control your movements. So don't, don't mess around, like get your work done. Um, but it, I mean, over, that was one, that's one hypothesis as to how it became a commonly held belief that that was possible um, on the island. And then, uh, 
there were several accounts written by Europeans and, and Americans as well of this folklore. And then obviously now it's completely permutated to being like, having viral origins or chemical origins rather than like in, in this in this context that I was talking about in the original kind of Haitian context it was more just like spells. So there's also a story, a, fun, a funny anecdote in the in the article I read about uh, Zora Neale Hurston in the 30s. She went to Haiti to do to research voodoo because um, it comes up quite a bit actually in her short stories because um, slaves and descendants of slaves on the mainland uh, also talked also had a lot of uh, beliefs that linked back to West African traditions that she just labeled them all as voodoo and she was researching a local story where a woman was thought to have been a zombie but it was actually like a buried alive situation again where she only had a broken leg they buried her oh my god <laughs> what the hell guys <laughs> yeah so Anyway, and then the husband was like, oh, oops, sorry. <laughs> sorry, way." <laughs> was that a gaslighting so, situation? I, she was like, my leg's broken. They were like, nah, you're dead. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're dead. Let's take you to the ground. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sophia, you have any fun stuff? For our listeners, uh, Sophia absolutely loves talking about skeletons and buried things. It's her favorite topic. Yeah, I'm extremely scared of skeletons. I don't know why. I think it's the parrots of the Caribbean attraction at Disney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that I, I can't go on that attraction still without being scared to death still today. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I have a... a very low tolerance for bones they creep me out i think it's also the tintin episode where the inca like chief comes back to life i don't know if you've seen that the seven crystal balls terrifying like they take the mummy to a museum in belgium and it comes alive at night anyway sorry to share my childhood trauma with you (laughs) Um, (laughs) didn't you like do your senior thesis on i did i did actually but yeah, they, I mean, there weren't a lot of supernatural stories at the cemetery. Just real people doing weird stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, I think I think I think in that voodoo because I researched that for something in college and in high school too. Like, there is some sort of trance that people enter when they take some sort of drug or they get bitten by some sort of mm. bug or something. And like they, they like like it paralyzes you, but you're still alive, or something like that. Like um, I read, I honestly I did not do my research for this part, but I think I've read about people uh, being paralyzed and then like being buried, but there's not like they can't do anything. And like always, there's that Victorian myth of like when they would open the coffins and there would be like scratch marks, like the person was alive and then, well, they died from being buried. Yeah, in the brief research that I did and then like got way too freaked out to continue (laughs) reading those articles, uh, apparently a lot of um, when there were huge pandemics in Europe in the like early Middle Ages um, and I guess the Dark Ages as well, uh, there would be so many dead bodies around they couldn't bury them in time and dead bodies apparently do a lot of moving around and noise making due to all the gas and decomposition and all of that and so that's why uh that's the origin they think for a lot of these like zombie myths is all that yeah i did know someone who drove like those cars when like went to pick up people who recently died 
hearse. Yeah, and they did mention that, like, yeah. like they would, like, they fart, they, like, make noises, and it's really creepy and terrifying. Okay. Yeah, I started watching this Netflix show about a family who has a funeral home, and it was just the creepiest thing. Like, do not watch it. I could not. I don't even know why I started watching it in the first place. What is it, Six Feet Under? Or what no, show? no, I did watch Six Feet Under uh-huh. and it creeped me out, but not as much. This one is real. It's like a reality show. And like they oh, actually no. show them like going to someone's house and picking up a dead person oh, and they no, just like wear no, the face. No. It's no. horrifying. Um, we should also mention Romeo and Juliet. I don't know how that didn't enter into my pop culture seminar of Jesus oh, and Monty true. Python. But we've also got Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was real disastrous. Yeah. That uh, that's that was bad. Yeah. <laughs> that's the that's the triumvirate of, of uh pop culture though. Monty Python. <laughs> Jesus. The triumvirate of uh yeah Western pop culture, I guess. <laughs> A little heavy on England, but what can you do? <laughs> all right so now we're going to move on into our other favorite section which is what the fuck and Sultan of Success. Also, this episode, we will be rescinding an earlier Sultan of Success. I didn't know this yes. was going to be part of this award, but um, we have to retroactively uh, take away the corner of the murder apartments prize. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a shame. Yeah, you disappointed us, murder corner. Yeah. So, all right, my, yeah, I think actually I didn't have that many what the fucks that we haven't talked about. But my first one was the never go to bed angry uh, speech from Jeb Dead <laughs> because I don't think he's ever gone to bed not angry at Narvin. Yeah. That's just a completely ridiculous piece of advice for him to give. What the fuck Narvin doing Philo by hand when she should be searching for Tarek? Aggressive, <laughs> aggressive use of time. <laughs> Whenever they have to do Philo on Great British Baking Show, it's always really funny slash a disaster. There's not enough room in the tent. <laughs> I've always wanted to watch that show, but I've I've never been able to. I only oh my see god, clips. I've watched that show like probably six times. <laughs> the whole all the seasons. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Fucking love Isn't that it show. Still on? Yeah, it's still on. It's got a different um like only one of the judges stayed so there's a new judge and two new hosts but it's still good so it's not that the host it's like the really the guy that looks a bit like a vampire because he's also in um he's also in the it crowd and he plays like a vampire or like a goth oh i know what you're talking about yeah he's the host (laughs) yeah he's scary looking for sure it's a very good show and you should watch it honestly no i don't get british humor not the best way it's funny. Uh, uh, and then my last one is when ML is telling Taner about her love, Salim, and she says, he's an author, a novelist, or at least tells that that's what they said in the subtitles, and I cracked up. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't get, I, I truly do not understand why she, 
like sees anything in him and isn't suspicious. I don't know. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, I don't think I had any WTFs so that we haven't talked about. Let me just validate. Yeah. No, I, my WTFs were Riyadh's extramural affair and Sadim's uh, status of aliveness. <laughs> oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that one. That's a good one. The other what the fuck part for me from the thing that he's an author is like she called the publishing house and they weren't like who is this rando he obviously is not a novelist but apparently they did know him I guess yeah that's a good what the fuck (laughs) subtle but yeah I I thought about that too I was like wait a second she called the publishing house and they weren't like who the fuck is this Also, I don't remember if last episode Taned was like told his brother to leave or if he just decided to leave. But I thought it was a big, a bit what the fuck for him to leave. Like, was it because he didn't want his brother to see his brother carrying like Emel out of the house? Yeah, I don't think. Did we even Mm -hmm. see Tarek call Taner last episode? I don't remember. No. Yeah. So we don't know anything about that. But yeah, I think. I think that Tarek is very used to having his family just take care of the hard stuff for him. Which, yep. And so he called his big brother and he was like, okay, it's not my problem anymore. <laughs> but let me just cry about it a little bit. A tiny bit, like maybe five seconds. <laughs> not enough. Yeah, I'm also very confused as to how Selim would get himself out of the dirt I don't understand how that would work. Yeah, apparently quite hard, judging from all the stories. It would usually take them about a day to exhume somebody who rang their safety bell. Why was it hard to exhume? Like if you were like on the... I guess. So they were usually dead at that point from the whole lack of oxygen thing, regardless of whether they had a bell or not. They had a very useless shovel. Yeah, and very lazy graveyard employees, I guess. Who's going to be our new sultan of success if we've, you know, we've rescinded one, but we still have to give one out this episode? Uh, You're not going to like this, but I think Selim is probably a shoe in for this award. I think so. You don't just, like, come back to life and not get that Um, award. Who else could it be? Not a match was fucking stupid and died. Stupid and died. <laughs> not entirely her fault, but not not her fault either. Yeah. Um, yeah. Never wasted the escalate. Sorry. No, I was just saying that Selim dug himself out of a grave. Yeah, yeah. now he works on a yacht in the Mediterranean. I mean, it's not a bad life. Yeah, great point. Great point. Started from literally the bottom of the earth. Now we're here. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> yeah, Tarek, no. Taner, no. Jebdet, no. Narman, no. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Yusuf. <laughs> Yusuf is hilarious because he thinks he's being a brilliant detective and he's dead wrong. So that's like a double. All he's done is like found a dictionary, like piece of paper. <laughs> yeah. That's literally like the net outcome of this episode for him. <laughs> Yeah, it has to be Sadim. I see no other viable options. I agree. All right. Well, congratulations to Selim, our um, very reluctant, sultative success. Uh, congrats to you for digging 
vertically eight feet from your grave with no oxygen. It's an impressive feat if history is to be believed. And uh, <laughs> we hope that you die next episode. <laughs> so thank you all so much for listening. Next time we'll be back with the finale episode of Innocent, episode eight, where hopefully we get all of our answers. Uh, Selim dies and ML is resurrected. I think it's a pretty easy ask. Thank you again for listening and we will talk to you guys next time.